0: You're listening to Bachar, a podcast celebrating creators and innovators at different stages of their entrepreneurial journey. These people started their journey on the very streets that we're on. Why don't you come take a look? Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Bachar. Today we're lucky enough to not only have a young, passionate entrepreneur, but also a very old and dear friend of mine, Amrita. She, she's been someone I've known for an extremely long period of time, and her passion and love for the visual art space is one that's always existed since I've known her and became friends with her. It's actually pretty strange and cool at the same time that someone you used to speak to in high school and were friends with in high school is uh, you're now able to speak to at a much larger scale and, and talk about their passion and, and how she's actually translated this passion and just creating something that's, you know, providing tangible value, not only for herself, but also for a bunch of budding freelance artists around her. So, I mean, obviously, I've known her for a very long period of time. And then my co-host, Nab, is, you know, we, we had a brief conversation the other day. But for our viewers, why don't you quickly just go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself, Amrita, like, you know, where you grew up and, and what you've been up to the last couple of years?
1: Absolutely. Um, hi, everyone. My name is Amrita. I'm from Mumbai, India. I'm born and raised in Mumbai. Um, I'm 22 years old and I'm the founder of uh, The Design Era, an art venture based in Mumbai as well.
2: Amrita, thank you so much for coming on. Honestly, I am so excited because uh, I was speaking to Shank about this um, a few days ago after our conversation. And uh, it's quite impressive to see that that someone our age is working on their passion and actually started a venture that's fully correlated to their passion and that's something that me and shank look and aspire to do one day and it's it's really great to see you doing that um but yeah i just want to dive straight in so um of course for this episode shank and i went through a lot of research um to to really get a grasp of the visual arts industry in india and something really really special stood out i guess um i saw that the us the uk and china account for uh, almost 80% of the 50 billion US dollar industry, the art industry in the world, Uh, which what surprises me is that why India isn't up there, um, given that we have such a large um, art heritage in our culture and also just the the sheer amount of artists in India. So could you tell us a bit more about the visual arts industry and where India is currently at within that industry and where you think it will be in the next few years?
1: You know, it's so funny you say that because that's the very reason that I started Design Era because I think there's such a mismatch in India with the potential that's available and the platform that people get. I mean, we're one of the most culturally rich and diverse countries in the world. Artists from all over the world come to India to just sort of be immensely inspired by our colors and our festivals and our culture. And yet our very own Indian artists... um, lack that platform to really really flourish and to thrive um so i i do think that there's a lack of resources a lack of platform available to our indian artists uh which of course is one of the primary missions of design era that we hope to bridge that gap
0: you know something something interesting i was reading was that one percent of the union budget which is you know the total budget that the government has is actually given to the ministry of culture and even from that 1%, the Ministry of Culture isn't spending all of it. You know, they're not even, forget spending it efficiently. They're not even spending all of it. And, and what happens is a lot of the festivals, a lot of the galleries and museums that this money actually is supposed to go to is not reaching them. And they're not able to actually go out and host the festivals and, and host exhibitions for young, like, you know, budding artists. And, and the only people suffering as a result of this is, is the artists. You know, they're not getting that, that platform. So, i like, why do you think, you know, why do you think that this is the case? Like, why do you think that there is such a big discrepancy in regards to, uh, you know, the amount of money reaching these galleries and these exhibitions?
1: So, yeah, Shank, there's a huge mental shift that is still ha- to happen in India with regards to giving um, art its due importance. Uh, you know, all parents still want, prefer in India that their children enter more professional avenues, um, lawyers, engineers, doctors that art still doesn't get the same sort of um attention and importance that other fields do which i think reflects back on the fact that in in things like union budgets and things like that
0: yeah you know and this is actually not even true in just india you'd be surprised because you know there, there's a there's a person on our team a who who's an absolutely amazing artist and she handles all of our design work and, and she you know she went to parsons and and you would imagine Dubai to be a relatively more progressive place simply, you know, due to the number of es- uh, expats and like the higher level of education. But even here, people don't fully understand uh, uh, art as a professional career, you know, which I find, uh, you know, very unfortunate because, you know, th- there's so much you can do with art and there's so much you can actually do if these artists are given the right platform and opportunity.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, again, it's like, which came first, the chicken or the egg? Is art not a viable profession because it's not properly funded? Or is it not properly funded because it's not viewed as a viable profession?
2: But Uh, Amrita, do you think that's because it's viewed as a luxury? Like, people don't think art is a necessity. Like, if you go into a STEM degree, that feels like you're helping the world in a way. I'm not saying that I agree with it, but that's what I've heard. The fact that if you go into, like a finance or if you become an engineer you're helping the world grow and there is money in that so do you think it's because art is viewed as a luxury where when you have money then you can start spending on art and and taking part in the arts
1: you know that's one of the biggest things in the indian art market which is not that prevalent in any other countries where in art india is viewed as a luxury possession more than anything and that's because there's only a few great indian painters um, uh, and possessing those pieces are like considered having like the finest, most exquisite collection of art. But we do, do want to sort of bi- bridge that gap between um, just having art uh, for the name of the artist or for some political change and just having art for art's sake. And that's one of the most um, important philosophies of design era, art for art's sake, where you're building art just for the beauty of it and for the feeling of it.
0: Yeah, you know, and so obviously we're going to get to designer very, very shortly, but I think, I think you're completely right because I was speaking to a, you know, a family friend who actually runs a small art gallery in Delhi. And he mentioned to me that there's, you know, there's a couple of changes he's seeing in the way that art is purchased and just a, you know, just general like demand side trends. So number one, what he said was that, you know, people are actually the, the demographics of the buyers of art in India is actually changing a lot of young people. Are now looking for art, and maybe that, maybe that is the start of that shift. You know, from from people viewing art as a luxury collector item to you know something that is simply, uh, something that will simply help decorate their homes or something that will simply you know make their day, for example. And another thing he said was that people have you know the way that people are actually going out and buying this art is completely changed. It's it's heavily on like e commerce platforms now because at the end of the day. Uh, you can view a piece of art. I mean, look, I, I could be completely wrong, but at least for a for a casual buyer, you know, you can view that piece of art. You know, on, on an online platform, you can look at the dimensions, and you know, it's, it's actually interesting. There was also a website I was on where you can take a picture of your own wall, you know, with whatever is there on it, and you can move that piece of art that you found online into that wall, into your own wall. So yeah, you can actually yeah. see what it would look like in your own wall. So. I think, I think it's definitely like that thing, that mentality of uh, viewing art as like a traditional like collector's item is, I think at least it's started to change.
1: Absolutely. And you know, not to take away from the fact that when you're standing in front of an art piece and the way that that could really captivate you may not be able to come through on a computer screen and that is a that is a um issue that we face as art entrepreneurs that how do you how do you list your piece on an e-commerce platform and still make your viewer have that same exact experience so like you said like ar features like having um having the art displayed on your own wall or um giving them is that that
0: is that common is that common now
1: it, I mean, it, it is quite common. Um, in fact, we're trying to incorporate it into our own app as well. So it is quite common. And especially when you're purely e-commerce based, I think it's important because, um, yeah. because I, I think it just gives a completely different feel. And your, the art should be able to breathe life into a space. And it can only do that if it matches the space. So, Yeah. yeah.
2: That's actually quite interesting, but um, again, just uh, Amit, I just want to go back to the research that we did. Of course, we went to a rabbit hole about like the arts industry in India, and uh, I was I was looking at incubation centers of art in India, and I think this is a great segue into designer as well. So I was I was seeing where um, the government fails to do its job. Well, I wouldn't say it so blatantly, but the one percent that is allocated to the Ministry of Culture that isn't being used or isn't being used fairly, um, uh, and and when that happens, there are private individuals that step in and step up to to help aspiring um, artists pursue their dreams, dreams and also just take forward arts in India. So I guess um, the the increase of incubation centers in India is is quite an interesting thing to look at, and I think that is somewhere designers also helping where it, it helps budding artists come in and. And it's, it, it helps them pursue their passion and pursue a career in the arts. So could you please tell us a bit more about Designera and the business model and just how you came up with the idea?
1: Of course. Um, so what the Designera essentially does is we're a platform and an incubator for artists. Um, we have a really selective curation process and an under 5% acceptance rate. So when an artist applies to us, Uh, We have a panel of curators, different experts in the art field who review this application um, over various parameters, not just like the beauty of the art, but what inspired the artist and um, like what medium they work with and various different measures. Um, And we select artists on that basis. And once we select a designer artist, then we give them complete holistic support. So um, all the infrastructure they need via our studio um, all the materials they need canvas paints everything and what's really unheard of is a stable source of income so even salarying the artists, so e- and um, even buying their works outright so that the selling risk is on us and not them uh, so
0: how do you like how do you uh you know like when you like how do you go about and find these artists like what's that process like
1: um so we have various avenues where we recruit artists uh, we're tied up with a lot of universities in India mm-hmm. um art colleges specifically so there's all these like emerging artists who are still in college or just out of college and we get a lot of applications from them um there are websites like behance uh where there are there's like a whole whole universe of artists there and just like stunning pieces so we get a lot of applications through there um and now we've built up our, we've built up the uh, connection so we are getting a lot of word of mouth and reference artists as well um, so so yeah so then these artists come to us and we purchase their pieces and we build up the portfolio and um, we then have an e-commerce platform where uh, the pieces can be sold directly to consumers
2: given the the pandemic and given everything that's happened with the economic uh status of India right now um, how is the e-commerce platform actually doing? Uh, are people investing or not even just investing are they buying art um, or, or is it, are they looking at it from the point from a lens of a luxury good that's not necessary in these times?
1: So there's two parts to that. One, um, I actually founded Design Era full fledged during the pandemic. Okay. And to be honest, it's a great time to start a business because you have your pick of the people. Um, everyone is sort of struggling, and everybody wants to get wants to join a good venture. Right. Um, so we got really, really a great team. Uh, we had so many vendors working with us, agencies working with us to build our website. Um, so for that so for that, the pandemic was great to sort of build up the supply. The demand of course, however, has been quite sluggish um, we've used that to our advantage in the sense that it's also been sluggish for artists, right so artists yeah. are struggling more than ever so we've been like sort of the knight in shining armor for them, and we've come and purchased um, a lot of their pieces and been able to get get them working again and been able to free up their capital so they're able to do really what they do best which is to create
0: right and this uh, you, you mentioned that you know you you pick only 5% of the artists that apply or or 5 you only end up picking 5 of the uh, 5% of the artists that you see potential in so how isn't that isn't that like a very tough vetting process because 5% is like you know that's that's a difficult number to to kind of uh, you know filter out you know when you're filtering out 95% of the people that are applying so how do you how do you do that
1: so um It is tough sometimes, but I think when I'm building the brand of Design Era, there's nothing more important than quality control. And I really, really want Design Era to be like a coveted place for artists to join. So like to really have to sort of like the Harvard of art incubators in a way, Uh, not just anyone and everyone. And at the same time, for our consumers, I also want to be a place where they can rely on the fact that whenever they go there, um, the works are going to be of a certain standard and a certain quality. And of course, the flip side of that is art is the most subjective field, I think. So what we think, what designers, curators think is beautiful may not necessarily be what what appeals to everyone. Uh, Which is why one of the toughest things of building the business was for me to set parameters. Because... Some art could not fit into the parameters, but could be exquisite nonetheless. Um, so you have to have that balance of um, agility, but also stringentness in the in the artists and artworks that we're accepting.
2: Right, and yeah. given and given your really uh, small acceptance rate, uh, low acceptance rate, um, are you looking out to even like the representation of the artists at era, um by looking at like other? Um, social classes are even expanding the the people you take from different social classes because um, I'm I'm assuming currently smaller town artists are not getting the exposure that bigger town artists get just because of the fact that there's more resources in bigger town in bigger towns so are you going to smaller towns are you looking at different social classes as well to make sure that there's even representation across all boards in india
1: absolutely that's one of the most um that's one of the biggest missions of 2021 um there's a whole sort of village of this of art that i've identified in rajasthan and they make the most stunning pieces but they're so remote they don't speak english or hindi um but honestly that excites me more than anything else the fact that they're just this like sort of hidden gem that i'm just waiting to uncover
0: you know one thing i also like really like and i think this is something like you didn't touch upon too too uh too much was that you provide them with like a a proper like sixteen thousand square feet studio right right and what i really like about this idea is i mean i think you can explain it uh but what i what what i really like about it is the fact that when you put creative people together in like the same environment in the same physical space i feel like there's like this huge you know like transferring of ideas and innovation and like creativity like our like we have Nub and i my best friend actually uh my best friends uh nishika and abdullah they they went out and started their own fashion brand called anomaly recently and uh they're actually you know displaying their work at this market that that's hosted in dubai every year called market otb and you know it's it's interesting because that entire like area is surrounded by other like emerging fashion brands and them, they themselves have mentioned like how much they've learned from other fashion brands. And, you know, because there's so much to take away, right? Like when you see other people doing similar things and working on like similar avenues, you, not, you don't only learn about your own weaknesses, but you, you get inspired about other things that you can do and other ways you can succeed.
1: I couldn't agree more, Shank. And not only that, the way I've designed the space is it's supposed to serve as a source of inspiration to our artists. We don't have any conference rooms. We have Idea Labs. Um, oh, wow. We have brainstorm rooms where in the brainstorm room, every single surface is writable uh, okay. from the walls to the floors, to the ceilings, wow. to the tables. So you just go in and you're just like bubbling with ideas, you know, and the energy is really supposed to be sort of electric when you walk in there, um, which which I think is the whole point of the studio. And of course, um, d- during COVID, people were more doing working in their own studios or their home studios. But I look forward to when we can get all of our artists under one roof and just sort of create together, you know.
2: And is that um and so yeah I mean like that's a great uh, concept I mean in terms of like breeding innovation in a space where everyone is like-minded and making sure creativity is flowing and and j- just from hearing you speak about it I just want to know is that something you learned from your first venture uh, when you started that co-working space uh, could you tell us bo- a bit more about that and also could you tell us if that is the inspiration behind making sure that the um, designer has a space that's very innovative?
1: Absolutely. 100%. Um, so Camlet co-works was a venture that I, that I started before design era. Um, when I just got back from uni, when I was about 17, um, co-working was really, really big at the time. And I, and my family business is real estate. So I thought my passion for design and my sort of millennial, um, like being sort of so useful, uh, and, Uh, the boom of co-working all came together and I began a 300 seater co-working space and putting it together, designing the spaces was just, it was just so, so much fun. And it was amazing. And I, I really do think I put together a very uh, vivacious space. Um, And that has been what, what I loved in that. And what I didn't love in that is one of the biggest takeaways to how I'm designing my studio now. Mm -hmm. Um, uh and i i do think that i sort of when i designed camlet i loved it so much but then when it after it was all done um i i wasn't able to see through the venture because i was still learning so many things about myself and i thought that it, it, it's also what taught me that art and design is where my heart's at because that's what i enjoyed the most in the venture
0: mm-hmm.
1: um so yeah, so now we gave out Camlet to one entire space, one entire company. So it's not a co-working space, but it's just leased out and I'm um, um, uh, full-time focused on Designera.
0: Right? And with Designera, you know, you've you you mentioned I think in our in in one of our earlier calls that the way you guys make money as as, as designer, and correct me if I'm wrong, is you actually buy uh just from, from the 5% of the people that, you know, you accept you buy their pieces of art and then resell them onto your e-commerce platform, right? uh, Slash slash the marketplace that you guys have created, the online marketplace. So where do you like where do you get the capital to to actually go out and and buy some of these like pieces of art? And and you also mentioned that you know you provide uh these artists with, you know, a sustainable lifestyle, a stable income. So where do you where do you get the financing to do to uh, you know help you with all of that?
1: Um, so it's all funded uh, by, by myself and my by my family. Um, uh, the way the designer business model works is that we purchase these pieces from emerging artists and we sell them on our e-commerce platform. And mm-hmm. uh, parallelly, we work on really upscaling the artist um, so that the value of the pieces are constantly increasing uh, through PR activities, through marketing the artist, to getting them exhibited in places. Um we we increase the value of um, of an art piece, and that's also one of the reasons that when a, a consumer purchases a designer piece, it's more of an investment because that art piece value um, is is sure to go up because of the upscaling work that we do.
0: Right. Interesting. So yeah, that's actually that's actually that's amazing because you know it's definitely I think there's I mean correct me if I'm wrong again but there's definitely a correlation between the image of an artist and the value of their art pieces, right?
1: 125%. Right.
2: And uh, Amrita from, from our conversations that we've had and also um, just what you said on, in, in how you buy um, the artwork from the artist, we're judging that, that you have a lot of support from your family and you're very fortunate for that as well. Um, So we, we, We really wanted to understand how that is played into you becoming an entrepreneur. Has that played, um, has that given you a certain, uh, a higher sense of risk um, to leave, um, let's say your studies and and go back and and start your own venture? Or or do you think that's just, that's not correlated in a way?
1: So, you know, my father is also a first generation entrepreneur. Um, So we've just sort of grown up with all of our dinner table conversations being um, about the spirit of entrepreneurship, about um, building businesses, about different ideas that we have. Um, my brother, he's 12, and he already has read so many business books, he's already investing. So the whole energy of our home has always been towards entrepreneurship and building businesses. So that was so ingrained into me from an early age that literally at the age of 17, I was like bursting at the seams to go and start my own venture. And um, mm-hmm. And the support that I've had from my family has been unbelievable. I mean, when I wanted to start Camelot, they were 100% with me. When I wanted to start Design Era, they were 100% with me. Um, so I do think that, that that has been one of the biggest driving forces and the like wind beneath my wings um, for Design Era.
0: Yeah, and you know, I, I, I completely agree. And it's awesome to have family support. But do you sometimes, I mean... What would you say to someone who came to you and said, "Hey, like," or or questioned the fact that, "Hey, like," like you've obviously had such a big leg up in terms of financial and logistical support, and and what would you just, what would you say to someone who came to you and said, "Hey, like, are you self made or or you're not self made?" Like, how would you respond to that?
1: Yeah, so like like how we discussed that day as well, like that's that big dilemma, right? Like, is yeah. she self made or is she not self made because mm-hmm, yeah. she started off with a um, with a family backing? But see, like I said, like everybody in life is dealt a different hand and what yeah. you do with that hand and how you capitalize on that hand. That's what defines your potential. Not, um, not sort of where you started and what you did. Like I am also based in India. Like I was born in India. That also gave me a leg up because I just so happened to be, um, born in a place where art is so untapped, you know,
0: right. So yeah. Every,
1: every factor of who I am has led to me being, um, me being able to, found find, found this venture.
0: Yeah, and you know, I think it's a it's a super like interesting topic because I, I definitely think that there's two sides to it. Like obviously mm-hmm. on one hand, I do feel that it gives you an upper edge, right? Because it, it gives you an access to you know financial and logistical support. And it's, you know, the fact that your dad is himself a first generation entrepreneur, you know, gives you that like blueprint as to how to make your actually go out there and make your venture succeed. Right. But I also feel like you know this is something that all of us, Nub and I included, and, and you know, we'll, we'll talk about Vachar, um, you know, we've been lucky enough to be, be able to leverage a lot of our family connections to make this podcast s- successful, right? Like right. Our, some of our biggest guests, like uh, Sanjoy uh, Sunjoy Roy and, and Nikhil yeah. were, were people that Nub was able to source because someone in his family knew these people, right? right? And what this does is it, it gives us access to a, you know, a, a, a much Bigger uh, pool of guests and network that that helps increase our listener base, but at the same time, what I also feel like it doesn't tell the full story because even with access to a lot of things that you know we do, it it's not like it makes the venture a confirmed success, and it's not like it makes. It, it's not like it makes life like 200% easier. It, you still have to work at it, you know, and we, we know, like, for example, there, there's a lot of people uh, we know uh, who come from affluent backgrounds, but have not been able to actually capitalize on the resources that they have because they've not a, been able to execute properly, or they haven't been as like, they haven't been as determined or haven't been able to persevere with their dreams.
1: You know, just with everything in life, it comes with a package deal, right? With that privilege also comes the responsibility. Um, so you, you got to sort of take care of both things. And there's no doubt that there are so many synergies that are formed with my family real estate company. Like the space is, uh, my studio space is in our thing. But I, I I used to feel sort of like, oh, people aren't going to think I'm self-made. But now I've just sort of started taking it in my stride and realizing that um, why why not make the most of everything that you have
2: right exactly and uh and it's quite interesting as well to see that the way you've taken your passion and made it your job essentially um with the with your family's backing but doing that in itself is an extraordinary feat and i'm so glad we had this we had the chance today to speak to you and i honestly had a great time speaking to you but we're not done with the fun we still have uh one last segment and, and that is a rapid fire round that we would we would love to play with you so we'll be done. about this you are excited about this
1: yes i feel like i'm on coffee with karan
2: that's exactly what we, we 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 also love coffee with karan so i guess um i guess this works both ways so uh
0: it's it's coffee with karan with a with an entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial twist
2: exactly uh shank do you want to take the first five
0: yeah, I will think the, there's only nine questions, bro. But yeah, I'll take the first <laughs> Perfect. four. I'll take, I'll take the first all four, right. yeah. Okay, awesome. So, all right. So we're, we're going to ask you, uh, we're going to go over nine questions and, you know, just keep them rapid. And uh, yeah, we're, we're excited. Yeah, yeah. Rapid and, you know, feisty. Okay, awesome. So let's get started. So number one, what does a regular day in Amrita Diora, the entrepreneur's life, look like?
1: Um, I wake up, I work out, I go to work. And um, I have meetings. I have my whole cabin is just filled with artworks all the time. I have people coming in and out. Um, And yeah.
0: Awesome. So when you think of the word successful, who is the first person that comes to mind and why?
1: Um, My dad, because I I really, really, his, his heart, not because of the result, but because of the work that he puts in on a day to day basis. It's the biggest source of inspiration for me.
0: Yeah, how's he doing? By the way, he's I like I I remember meeting him like a long time ago. He's he's so sweet.
1: Very well, Shank. When you come to Bombay soon, then we'll all hang out.
0: Yeah, <laughs> whatever that is next. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully soon. Okay. So number three, what is the most important thing you weren't taught in college that your ventures taught you?
1: There's no bigger learning than a setback or a failure. Honestly, there's n- I, I learned learn more on a day to day basis than I learned in one year of college.
0: I like I completely I, I agree. With that. That.
2: I <laughs> fully agree.
0: <laughs> yeah, how much is an economics degree going to teach you at the end of the day, right? <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> yeah,
1: but everyone stay in school. It's still yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah Always course. get a degree for sure. Okay, number four. Uh, what do you wish you knew that you know now uh, when you started out?
1: You know, I always used to be so afraid of asking questions in meetings because I was obviously 17, 18, and I didn't know what I was doing um, because I didn't want people to sort of look down on me and be like, oh, she doesn't know anything. But now I realize that being the youngest person in the room means you can ask whatever the hell you want, and it really doesn't matter because you are the youngest in the room. Um, yeah. be better to be a fool for a moment than a fool for life, you know? So I did, I you, did, you
0: ever, uh, did you ever, like, when you started, ask, like, a like a silly question that you remember asking?
1: Yeah, and everybody knew what it was and I was the only one who didn't. And there's been times when I've been in meetings and I've like taken my phone underneath and been Googling like acronyms. like What does that mean? But you know, I mean, just when you're the youngest in the room, you can do whatever you want and people will still just think you're the youngest in the room. Like my advantage, not a setback.
0: Wow. Yeah, definitely. And last question from my end. Uh, If you weren't a part of Designera, what do you think you'd be doing instead?
1: I think I would definitely still be in the design space for sure. Probably interior design because that's something I love as well.
2: Okay, so the next one I'll take. Amrita, what advice did you get that was the most insightful to you when you initially left college? Wow. That's sick advice. That's That's sick advice. advice. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Thank you for that. Honestly, that was some good advice for us as well. So the next question is, in your opinion, what differentiates a good entrepreneur from a quote unquote bad one?
1: I think one of the most important things of being an entrepreneur is building your team and building your network of people and um, people who don't view their employees and their customers and um, their vendors and their, in my case, artists as their primary stakeholder and primary concern. Um, Those companies, I feel in my limited experience, um, don't end up thriving as well.
2: Okay. And the next question then is, uh, what is the biggest mistake you've made so far in your career?
1: the biggest mistake I made in my career so far. Um, I think after Camlet, it was really, I was so attached to the project that I built that it took me over a year to like, let myself get over that and allow myself to begin something else. Um, So I do wish that I would have let go of that sooner and then I could have had that time because there was a time in between where I, I just, you know, felt really low. I didn't feel like going to work and I didn't feel like doing anything. Um, so I do wish that I could have sped that process up a little bit more.
2: All right. Okay. And, uh, the last question of this rapid fire segment is what do you think the future of art in India is and how do you think design era is going to contribute to that?
1: I think the demographic of art in India is changing. We have younger people, we have, um, the modern pop art sort of vibe finally coming to India and design era is going to be a pioneer in that field my own personal taste is absolutely towards like really modern pieces where, you know, Indians are so quick to say like, what, like, what is that? What has he made? You know? Um, but I think that that shift is coming to India. And I think that designer is going to be, be there when, when it happens.
0: And that's the rapid fire. Thank you so much, Amrita for taking out the time. Uh, we know you're a, we know you're a busy gal, but you know, we really appreciate this. And, uh, (laughs) I'm 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 so happy
2: that we finally got to speak at least at least over this.
1: I know it was so much fun guys honestly thank you so much.
2: Thank you so much Amrita. Have a great day and uh, looking forward to speak to you soon.
1: Well, very soon. Thank you.
2: All right and that's that
0: and we'll see you guys in the next one.